But the question is this. What do you want right now? Like right now. In your life. Like right now, what do you want? If you could have it. Some of you, maybe it's, it's, it's in your profession, it's a job, and it's a promotion. And you've wanted it, you went for it, you've never got it. But if you could have something, you'd want that because you work so hard for it. For others, maybe it's, it's love, right? You, you want to be in a relationship. You've wanted it, you haven't seen it yet, but that's what you want. Others, maybe it's the opposite. You want out of a relationship, right? You're done with it. And if you're sitting with that person right now, don't look at them right now. It'll be awkward, I promise you. So what do you want right now? For some, maybe it's the lottery, right? Well, if I could just hit the lottery. I don't even need the whole thing, just maybe a million, right? And I always say there's always one person. All that money ain't going to make you happy. And I'm always like, you know, I'd like to give it a shot. I, I just, whatever. So is it money? Is it, is it, for some of you, just some peace and quiet, right? Just a nap. If I could just have a nap, like a three or four day nap, you know, it would be good. What do you want right now? What do you want right now? Question number two. What do you value the most? In your life, what do you value the most? Online, I need you participating. I need you to write, if you're comfortable, write those answers in the chat. Write them in there. What do you want now? What do you value the most? See, as soon as I said, what do you value the most? Some of you, you immediately thought, well, my family. I value my family. I love my family. Some of you may have thought friends. Long time, uh, long life friends that you've had forever. You love your friends. Others, maybe your health. Because you know, as soon as the health goes, it's, it's, it makes life a lot more difficult, right? So it's your health or your kids. You know, what, what is it for you? What do you value the most? What do you value the most? For, and, and of course, we're in church, so somebody right now, you know, you want to stand up and say, I value my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Okay, settle down, Bible boy. I believe that you love Jesus. But normally the person that stands up and says that is the same person, like, flipping people off when they're leaving the parking lot, right? So, that's right. We got cameras. We know who you are. So, I'm kidding. We don't have cameras because I don't want anybody recording my driving. You guys know I struggle with driving. I'm confessing again. Somebody sent me a message this week, and I was trying to think who it was. I don't know. I can't remember. But they sent me a message, and they said, Pastor, this is because I've talked about my issues, and I, I've got plenty. But they, uh, they, <laughs> they said, uh, they said uh, this is an idea that I saw from somebody where, you know, when you get cut off in traffic or, God forbid, somebody's driving below the speed limit, um, when you go around them, instead of being tempted to tell them they're number one in a special way, you, you, you just give them a thumbs down. And I'm like, I like that. Like, it's so much less sinful than, than the finger, isn't it? I mean, the thumbs down. If I ever give you a thumbs down, that's a bad thing. So, but I just thought, they're just trying to help the pastor out. I love that. What do you want now? And what do you value the most? Here, here's, here's what I'm saying. Do those two things line up for you? Does what you want now, just be honest with yourself, what do you want now? Does it line up with what you value the most? Today, we're going to go on a journey, you and me. We're going to go on a journey with the Israelites of the Old Testament. The Israelites were God's chosen people. He, he wanted to use them to model what it looks like to live for him, to love him. If you would have asked the Israelites when they were in slavery in Egypt what they wanted now and what they valued most, I think it would have lined up. I do. I think they would have said, what we want now is to be set free. We don't want to be slaves in Egypt anymore. And I think, what do you value most? They would have said, we value freedom. We want that. I think it would have lined up. 
eventually they were led out of slavery, if you don't know the story, by a man named Moses. And when they got out of slavery, they would end up wandering in a desert for 40 years. And they never entered into the promised land during that time because of their disobedience. The problem is something shifted when they were in the desert. What they wanted now no longer lined up with what they valued most. You, you can see it in the text, and we, we don't have time to go through all that, but I'll tell you that in the desert, what they valued most, again, was, was freedom and, and, and a relationship with God. But what they wanted now, they, they, here's what they said one time. What we want now is we want to go back to Egypt. We, we want to go back to slavery. We, we, at least we got fed there. They had different kinds of food. It wasn't just this bread from heaven, but they, we knew what we were getting. And isn't that insane? They, they wanted what they knew, even though it was slavery. Whew. That's crazy to think about. So... Let's catch up. After the 40 years, Moses has died. They're entering into the promised land finally. A man named Joshua has taken over the helm um, of the church. And uh, so Joshua, they're at the cusp of the promised land. And uh, I'm just going to say, gosh, if somebody can adjust the air, I'm like, something's happening up here. I'm hot. Or maybe it's just me. I don't know. But if someone can adjust the thermostats and get a little bit of airflow in, that would help me. So thank you. Um, I... uh, so they're at the cusp of the promised land. And, 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 and God gives them instructions before they go in and take the first city. Because they're taking, the promised land was Canaan or Israel. That's what they're going into. This is God's chosen land for them. The land flowing of milk and honey. And in Joshua 6, 18 and 19, listen to the instruction from God. He says, do not take any of the things set apart for destruction. In other words, when you go into Jericho and you start seizing it and taking it and destroying don't take any of the goods uh, or you or your and yourselves your, yourselves will be completely destroyed and you're going to bring trouble to the whole camp everything made of silver and gold and bronze and iron is sacred to the lord and must be brought into the treasury now this is this was a unique instruction because when people went to war back in this day it would be very common for the victor to, to reap the spoils. In other words, it'd be very, it'd be very much um, a normal thing to go in and take a lot of the treasure for yourself and your, and your, and your army. But this was different. God says Jericho is the first one you're going to seize. It's the first city in the promised land. And there's something about God in this principle of first. All throughout the word of God. From Adam and Eve all the way through the New Testament. God says the first is mine. And he says, since Jericho is the first city, the, the spoils, they're not going to go to you. They're going to go to me. They're going to go in the treasury. And this is what God is teaching them about. about. So, so he gives them this instruction. I'll, I'll sum it up. They march around Jericho a bunch of times. The walls fall down. They take the city. Victory is theirs. They've entered into the promised land. They've defeated Jericho, this huge city. And, 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 and the spoils, they go to God. Or do they? So they've won they, 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 they've got victory, but there's a problem. And, and God uh, tells us the problem in, the, in Joshua 7.1. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart for the Lord. A man named Achan had stolen. He had stolen some of these dedicated things, so the Lord was very angry with the Israelites. So, so Achan did exactly what he wasn't supposed to do. He took some of the, 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 the goods, the treasures, for himself. So, but, but no one knows. Achan knows, his family probably knows, but, but nobody else. So, so, so stick with me. The next verse. Joshua 
Now, now, they're gonna, now they're looking at the next city they're going to take. They've conquered Jericho. What's the next one on our conquer list? Joshua sent some of the men from Jericho to spy out the next town. A town called Ai. I mean, pretty simple. A-I. East of Bethel, near Beth Haven. This is a town that was probably 10, 15 miles from Jericho. When they returned, they said to Joshua, Hey, Joshua, it's going to be a piece of cake. There's no need for all of us to go up to I. We don't need to. It's, it won't take more than two, 3,000 people to attack. And since there are so few of them, don't make all the people struggle and get their camp or get their gear and their, gu- well, gu- not guns, but get their stuff and go do it. Don't make them do it. Joshua, don't send the varsity team. In other words, they get the night off. Send the JV team. They'll be able to handle it. So Joshua does exactly what his spies told him. Verse 4, approximately 3,000 warriors were sent. They were soundly defeated. The men of Ai chased the Israelites from the town gate as far as the quarries. They killed 36 of them who were retreating down the slope. The Israelites, they were paralyzed with fear at the turn of events and their courage, it melted away. You guys, this is the biggest upset since Tyson got beat by Buster Douglas, I'm telling you. If you're, if you're under 30, Google it. But anyway, big upset. Bigger than David taking down a, a giant in Goliath. This was unheard of that the Israelites would get beat by this, this, this dismal little town out of, in nowhere. They, I wrote down they couldn't understand how they got beat. I can. You know why? God wasn't with them. And if God's not with you, you can't win. It won't happen. They couldn't win. So Joshua, he's beside himself. He's like, how? How did this happen? Joshua in verse 6, he says, Joshua and the elders tore their clothing in dismay. They threw dust on their heads. They bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord. They're like, he's throwing a tantrum. This is what they would do like sometimes when they were uh, mourning back in the day. But they just threw themselves on the ground. You ever have a kid throw a tantrum? I mean, not your kid, of course, but somebody else's kid. Uh, so Jake, my, my youngest, he, this is, he's 14 now, but I'll never forget, we were playing basketball back in Sioux Falls, where we, where we moved from, and uh, <laughs> when Jake threw tantrums as a kid, he did them very carefully. Like, he didn't throw himself on the ground. I'll never forget it, Ava. You, you, you probably don't remember this, but Jake, when he, he got mad, he'd do this. Like, he'd, he'd very slowly and meticulously, he'd do this, this in this speed. And he would just like this, like this. And I'm like... I didn't know if he was mad or dead. I'm like, Jake, are you okay? It was weird. So he, so I don't know. That's just whatever. So, but they're throwing, they're, they don't get it. They're like, why God? And they blame God, of course, because that's what we do when we get upset. Joshua cries out to God, oh, sovereign Lord, why'd you bring us, bring us across the Jordan River if you're going to let the Armorites kill us? If only we'd been content to stay on the other side. So Joshua sounds like the Israelites. If only we'd be content to stay in slavery. If only we'd be content to stay in the wilderness. Are you kidding me? You would rather stay wandering? I mean, so, so it, it's crazy. And I'm sure God's like, are you, are you serious? Like, like, Joshua, you didn't even go to me. You didn't even talk to me about it. Remember, Joshua, you sent spies over to I to check it out. You didn't talk to me. You didn't ask me. You didn't get my opinion. You didn't confide in me. You didn't do anything. You relied on your own strength. They determined their plan based on what they saw. 
in the little tiny town. But faith isn't that. Faith is, it, faith is trusting in what God said before seeing what he does. Well, they didn't trust what he said. They didn't know what he said because they didn't ask him. If Joshua would have just called a prayer meeting before going up to battle, he, God could have told him, hey, Joshua, I'm glad we're talking. I'm glad you came to me. By the way, there's sin in the camp. There's sin in the camp. You need to take care of that. Otherwise, you'll be soundly defeated. But they didn't do that. They didn't call a prayer meeting. They didn't do any of that. In fact, it wasn't until after they got defeated by that little tiny town that they confided in God. And isn't isn't that our nature? It's after we screw up, God, I need you to show up. After we get dumped, God, I need you to comfort me. Right? After After we go to jail, right? Don't act like you've never, this is Meadows Church, okay? Some of you are on bail right now, so, oh, jail, not me, okay. <laughs> but me, I've never, no, just kidding. So, we've been, after you've been arrested, we finally get to the title of the message. Aiken, if you only would have heard this before you took the spoils for yourself. The series that we're in is called The Best is Yet to Come, If. I'm here to tell you something. The best is yet to come, that doesn't apply to a lot of people. For a lot of people, the worst is yet to come. But you're not a lot of people. You're Meadows Church, and God is giving you a word today that tells you this. The best is yet to come if we trust God and do what he says. Seems elementary, doesn't it? It's harder than it looks, but it's doable, and trust me, you want to do it. The best is yet to come if we trust God and we do what he says. If we don't trust God, Achan, it's going to impact a lot of people. Did you, see, did you see the consequences of one man's sin? 36 people died. 36 people died. The army, the entire army, melted in fear. Their courage was gone. And their leader, Joshua, he, he, now he's questioning God. Is it, that all happened. Why? Because one man took what he wanted. Now, instead of saying focus on what he valued the most. That's why it happened. That's what Achan did. You know Achan valued his family. I mean, he was in the desert a long time, you know, letting God guide them and feed them with manna and all this stuff. And in one moment, in one weak moment, so many of our problems, church, so many of our issues, and you already know this, stem from what we call instant gratification. Isn't that right? That's what it stems from. Like, like, why do we struggle in error? Like, why did he steal? Why do we steal? I want what I want, and I want it, now I'm going to take it. Like, like why, why do we cheat? Well, they, they were just there in the moment. Nobody else was around. But you're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your children. Well, I value them the most, but this is what I want now. Right? Why do we, why do we drink? Why are we going to get drunk? Well, I just need to feel better now. Why do we smoke, shoot, snort, whatever, cut? I just need to get a reprieve now. Sex before marriage. Okay, now I'm going to get up in your business a little bit. And in my business, if I can be honest with you, before I was married. So that, isn't that just instant gratification? Like you guys as a church, we meet with couples all the time. Couples that want to get married. And want, they're interesting conversations. That you, like, let me tell you. And, and one of the biggest pieces of the conversation is purity. And, and, and we'll talk to them and say, okay, hit, listen, if we get under the umbrella of God now, I know where you were, but I'm not focused on that anymore. I'm talking about today. If we get under the umbrella now, like God's going to bless it. Like, like if you trust God and do what he says. So we look at scripture and we go at it together. And normally it's the guy staring at me like, 
<laughs> you know, just, just not getting it. And I'm, I, <laughs> oh, this one guy was so funny. This is, this is nobody here, so no one look at, I wonder if it was him. So it was just not here, but he, he was like, it's like as I talked and I said, you could have, you, you could keep doing what you're doing, or you could stop and let God's hand go on your relationship and have him bless the next 50, 60, 70 years. Or you could just keep doing that and not get the blessing. And he's like looking at me contemplating. And I'm like, I, I, so I told him, I said, you don't have to have sex. Like, you don't, I, I said, you're not doing it right now? Like, you see, this is proof. You're not doing it now. And he's like, I just can't, I just can't stop myself. I said, well, you do when you go to church. Just so, whatever you're doing at church, just keep doing that wherever you're at, okay? It's not, so he was just not understanding. I said, you're going to forfeit, and I shouldn't have said this, but I, I said, you're going to forfeit 60 years of blessing for 60 seconds of pleasure? And then his girlfriend starts laughing. So anyway, so I just, they didn't get married by me. So um, anyway, it doesn't matter. So, um, but, but isn't that what, it, it's instant gratification. It's what it is. We got to call it what it is. We give, up, we, we give up what we value the most for what we want now. But we're losing, we're losing blessing. We're losing God's hand. Verse 10, the Lord said to Joshua, after Joshua's throwing his tantrum, get up. This is embarrassing. Get up. Why are you lying face down like this? Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They've stolen some things that I've commanded must be set apart for me. They've not only stolen them, but then they lied about it and hidden them from me. It's one thing to steal from God, but then to lie about it. So I, I read the scripture, and I immediately think about a verse in Malachi. Some of you might be familiar with it. This is 800 years later. God is still speaking into the Israelites. They're still disobeying in this area. It, it doesn't end. Like Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. You know what God's telling them? You're stealing from me. You're robbing me. He's even talking to the priest. He's talking to the priest. He's talking to the pastor. He's saying, you guys, are, you guys don't get it. And they, they're like, what do you mean we're stealing? And he's like, he was talking about the tithe, like returning 10% back to God. And he says, you, you keep it and you take it for yourself. So you take the tithes and the offerings. And, and, and just like Jericho was the first, God wants the first of the income and they weren't giving it. And God said, you're robbing me. And actually what he could have said is you're robbing yourself. You're robbing yourself of my blessings. You're robbing yourself of my hand all over you. By the way, I, even as I talk about giving, and Rachel was talking about the church, I have to tell you something supernatural. This church, like, like we keep, I, we talk about, like, people keep, uh, new people keep giving, and it's incredible because I think you give to life change. I think you give to, 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 to vision, to, to, to knowing that you're investing in something way bigger than yourself, and that's what's happening. You guys know, check this out. In the last just over a month, we've had 14 new families give for the very first time. That is huge. That is big. And listen to me. They're not giving because God needs it. They already know that. God don't need nothing from you. God don't need nothing from me. God doesn't, God doesn't ask us to tithe so he can be taken care of. God asks us to tithe so we can be taken care of. That's what, so I get excited because that step of faith was the last thing I gave to God. I don't know where you're at, but it, for me, disobedience was my middle name. I wouldn't do it. So when I see people doing it, because we hold on to money so tightly, I do. I don't know about you. I do. And when people take that step, I'm like, oh, okay. They're ready for God to move. And it was, un so, so God's, God's upset with Achan. And I want you to notice something about Achan's sin. I'll read verse 12 and, and just see if you, you, maybe you've already caught it. That's why the Israelites are running from their enemies in defeat. 
Listen to this. For now Israel itself has been set apart for destruction. Wait, God, I, I'm confused. You mean Achan has been set apart for destruction. He did it. That's not what God said. God said, you're, you're, you're together in this. Like, you're my chosen people. Like, in other words, Achan, your sin, your disobedience, your selfishness, your, your stealing, it doesn't just impact you. It doesn't just impact you. It's going to impact your family. It's going to impact your kids. It's going to impact your friends. It's going to impact the camp. It's going to impact. See, our sin never just impacts us. God says, I will remain with you. I will not remain with you any longer unless you destroy the things among you that were set apart for destruction. Until you make it right, I can't be, I can't be with you. See, what we don't understand is, see, we like to say, my God will never leave me. My God will never forsake me. But so, so, so God is everywhere. The Holy Spirit's everywhere. Can, can God's blessing leave you? Absolutely. Can God remove his hand of blessing from you? Absolutely. Anytime we do something that's apart from his will, he does. Anytime that we actively live in a way or act in a way or move in a way that is against his will, we call it sin, he does. God, God can have nothing to do with it. So he loves them so much, he's telling them, this is what you need to do. Remove it. Get rid of it. Get up and, and, and command the people, it says in uh, chapter, or verse 13, purify themselves in preparation for tomorrow. Tomorrow is a new day, he's saying. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, hidden among you, O Israel, are things set apart for me. And you will never, say never, you will never defeat your enemies until you remove these things from among you. You will never live your best life until you will trust me and do what I say. You never will. I know you think you know what's best, but I created you. I know your inward and outward being. I know. Until you remove it, it won't work. See, the, the, the Israelites, it wasn't the Armorites that were causing defeat. It was their disobedience that was causing defeat. That's what it was. Let's keep going. The story is so crazy. Verse 19. Joshua, they, they finally narrow it down. It's in, that, it's in that tribe, Judah. It's in that clan, Achan's family. And it's Achan. And they know. God pointed it out. You, you read the story for yourself. It's crazy. Joshua says to Achan, my son, give glory to God. Okay? The God of Israel by telling the truth. Make your confession. We confessed last week. It was powerful. And tell me what you've done. Don't hide it from me. And Achan knows the gig is up. So he replies, it's true. I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. Among the plunder, this is what I saw. I saw a beautiful robe. I had to take it. I saw 200 silver coins. I took them. I, there was a bar of gold. It weighed more than a pound. How could, I, how could I not take it? I wanted them so much. I took them. You mean you, mean you took what you wanted now, right, Aiken? And you forgot. You forgot what you valued most, didn't you? See, the devil wins when we, when we get those mixed up. So he took them. And then he tells them, they're hidden, they're hidden in the ground beneath the tent. I, I buried them. I put the silver deeper than the rest. That's what I did. And he, he ah, the main point, don't give up what you value most. Don't, don't, get, don't give it up for what you want now. I pray that you won't give up what you value most. 
you answered the questions earlier in your head or on your phone. Don't give up what you value most for what you want now. Here's the kicker for Achan, and this is what kills me. If he just would have waited a day or two. Achan, if you just would have waited. Like, Achan, you know that Jericho was just the first. God said, I, I need all that. That's mine. It's designated for me. But don't you think I'll take care of you when you're obedient? If you just would have waited a day or two, Achan, the very next city, I, you, you, would have, you would have got what you want. I'll show you. He would have got what he wanted. In the very next chapter, chapter 8, this is what the Lord said to Joshua. Joshua, don't be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men. Go back for round two. It's the sequel. At I, I've given you the king, his people, the town, the land. You will destroy them as you destroyed Jericho and his king. But this time, because this isn't the first, but this is the next. But this time, you will keep the plunder, the livestock for yourselves. Achan, if you just would have waited, you would have had it. You remember the consequences for Achan's? Remember that? 36 die. They lose hope. Joshua questions God. Look at the opposite. When, when they get under the umbrella and they trust God and do what he says, look at this. Sin is eliminated. Faithfulness is restored. What do they get from God? God encourages them. God's presence is now with them in the battle. How do you think they won? God's guidance and promise of victory is upon them. And God's permission and provision to keep the plunder and the livestock for themselves. Look, well, look what all... Oh, don't, don't give up what you value the most for what you want now. God has so much waiting for you. God, some of you walked in here discouraged. I know it because I know the world that we live in. Some of you walked in here in fear in an area of your life, whether you're logged in online or whether you're here in the room. And whether, whatever it is with discouraging you, whatever it is that has you full of fear, you need to know this. The answer to those things, the answer to your discouragement, the answer to your fear is listening and believing God's word. I promise you, when you listen to God and you do what he says, no defeat is permanent and no mistake is beyond repair. Isn't that good news? That you can be redeemed, that you can be, you get a second shot. You get a sequel. You get a part two. That's what they got. The key to walking in victory is directly connected to your obedience to God. I'm going to say it again. The key to you walking in victory in this life with your family, with your spouse, in your workplace, is directly connected to your obedience to God. We think obedience is a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing because God has something for you. You don't need, I mean, you don't need to focus on the outcome. That's our problem. We get the equation mixed up. We're, 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 we're trying to manipulate and maneuver and, and adjust the outcome to make it work the way we want. You don't need to do that. Focus on the input. If you focus on the input, the, out, the outcome is automatic. Like three plus three, you don't have to manufacture six. You don't have to somehow make six magically appear. You, if you input three and you input three, six is going to appear. It's automatic. You don't need to focus on the outcome. When you're obedient, you can trust God with the results. When you're obedient, you can trust God with the results. When you trust God and do what he says, you will claim all that he has for you. When you do that. But disbelief, unbelief is always content to settle for something less than God's best. 
Unbelief is always content. One of Ava, one of your favorite game shows a few years ago was Deal or No Deal. Anybody remember they have cases with the money in them, Deal or No Deal? Four of you, awesome. So uh, Deal or No Deal um, was, was a fun show that she would watch, we'd watch sometimes. But Ava would never settle for second best. Like I don't, I, you just, I don't know, I don't want to say you were greedy, but you were, let's say you were very determined. I like that better. So, um, but, but you, the, the deal was they show all these cases of suitcases with different amounts of money. And then they mix them all up, and then you try, to, you try to get rid of the ones that are the low amounts, because whatever case is left is what you get. So you, 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 you pick these numbers of the cases, and then they go away. And then as you get to less and less cases, someone wants to make a deal with you. So say there's seven cases left, and they know the high amounts that are left, and they know the low amounts that are left. So they're, they're going to offer you a deal, something in the middle. And Abel would never take it. Like, we'd even play the game at Dave and Buster's. They got the game that you can actually play. And Ava, there's a big button, and Ava would be like, no deal, and no deal. And I was like, yeah, dang it, you go. But, Ava, we weren't completely on the up and up, were we? Should I tell them? It's church, we got to be honest. You knew this was coming, I already told you, don't, don't look at me like that. So, so Ava, I, I, I love her, um, I love her uh, ingenuity, let's call it. So Ava's like, Dad, you know how the cases get all mixed up so fast right away? She said, if, if, if we take our phone and like we record that part, and then we watch it back in slow motion, we'll know where the case is. And I'm like, oh my God. You're the pastor's daughter, and you're sitting here telling me, oh, Dad, if we do this, and no one's watching. I'm like, Ava. So this is a big opportunity. I said, Ava, I'm your dad. I'm the pastor, so I have to speak into this. So I'm like, Ava, I think we should use your phone because it's got better quality, and we'll be like, <laughs> do not judge me. This is what, so here's Ava recording it, and I'm the lookout. I'm like, looking for the Dave and Buster. I mean, we did it. It's so sad, and will you, God, forgive us in the name of Jesus? But you need to understand, it did not work. If they didn't give you enough time to go back. Anyway, it didn't. We tried. We sinned. We failed. God, I want to say we learned our lesson. So, um, but don't settle. See, unbelief is settling for less than God's best. Even as a church, that's what the enemies wanted us to do in four and a half years. If you're new, we've been around four and a half years, and it's looked different many different times. But as a pastor and the leaders of the church, we can get, it can, it can be discouraging. We can lose faith once in a while. You know, we're human. And I'll, I'll tell you, I reflected, writing this message, I thought about two years in, our trailer with all of our church stuff is stolen. It's gone. Okay, that was a struggle. That was, you know, unbelief can creep in. You're a young church, everything's gone. What do we do? We don't have resources, we have nothing. And God's like, you keep trusting me. Stay faithful. Keep preaching the word of God. I will build my church. So we stay faithful. We keep preaching the word, and sure enough, things show up. God keeps building his church. And then all of a sudden, we're having to move from this place to that place to this place. And that's frustrating, and then we're kind of losing some hope because, my gosh, we move to this community, we get dialed in, we build up and reach people, and all of a sudden, okay, now we got to move to this community. It feels like we're starting over, God. And God's like, you stay faithful. You keep trusting me. You keep doing what I said. You keep serving the people in whatever community I place you in. I will build my church. And then all of a sudden a pandemic hits. Because why wouldn't that happen, right? So the pandemic hits. And it impacts you and it impacts me and it impacts the church. It impacts your business, your family, all this stuff. And it's like, really, God? And God's like, yeah. You stay faithful. 
You keep loving the people I send to you in the pandemic, outside the pandemic. You keep loving them. You keep pointing them to me, and I will build my church so we stay faithful. We keep doing what God is doing. Guess what? He's building his church. As of today, 528 people have given their lives to Jesus Christ. You trust me. You do what I say. I will rock your world. That's what he said. So sometimes we see God moving collectively. Like you all have stories, and they're way more than the 528 people. Those are indications we know about. Think of all the things I don't know that are going on in your life because of what God's doing through his word in your life, in your family, with your kids. There's a lot. But sometimes as a pastor, unbelief. I'm like, God, what about you know, my family? And I got my kid wanting to you know, cheat at no deal or no deal. And what do we do? And you know, sometimes you wonder, God, are you working in my family? Because I struggle like you do as a dad, as a mom, as a parent. So, and then God will give you indicators to show you faithfulness. Some of you maybe know this story, but this past week, like my son Jake is in eighth grade. So Jake, one of his friends, passed away tragically. A classmate of his. So it really, it really rocked the school. Specifically the class. Specifically the friends. And obviously specifically that 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 child's family. So, so, so I was caught off guard. Something about watching your child grieve, I've never seen it before because we haven't been through anything like this before. So Jake comes to me and, and, and he's talking about his friendship with his friend and what they did together and his personality and things like that. And this is probably Tuesday, I'm guessing. He's home from school and here's what he said. And this was the first glimpse that, of God showed, showing me his faithfulness. Here's, what, here's the, one of the first things Jake said. Dad, I hope he's in heaven. And I was like, of all the things a 14-year-old could be thinking about when it comes to death. So God's like, see, he gets it. You see, he knows. I know some days you, you check him in and some days you brought him to youth and you're thinking, is anything sinking in? But he just, he just said, is he in heaven? So he knows there's an eternity. He knows there's one of two places that we go. And he knows it's forever. And he wants the best for his friend. So we pray. We prayed for the family. And it was incredible. And then God, as if that wasn't a glimpse enough, later in the week. So Jake plays baseball. It's his one sport. And uh, it's all he does when it comes to extracurricular activities. And he, uh, they have one of their biggest tournaments of the year this, this weekend. And Jake comes home Thursday. And this is what he says to me. And he'd been looking forward to this for months. And he says, Dad, I'm going to miss the games. And I said, what do you mean you're going to miss the games? He said, the first day for sure. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, the funeral. And I said, you, I said, you want to go to the funeral? He goes, and he looked at me like I was insane for ask for questions. He did. Like he's teaching me. And he's like, Dad, yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like trying to almost, I'm like, Jake, you know, your friend probably wants you to go out and support him. And, and it's like I'm trying to talk him out of it. I'm just like trying to lead him away. I, I'm, pray for me. So, and he's like, no. I mean, it wasn't even a question whether he'd miss it or not. He ended up going to the visitation. Because after we talked about it, he realized that'd be more, maybe a little more personal for him. He'd get to see his friend one last time. And you know what he told me? He said, Dad, I'm going to walk up to his mom and dad. He's never, he doesn't even know who they are, but he find out. And I'm going to tell him something that I love about their son. And I said, Jake, I think that would be great. See, when you don't think God is moving, he's moving. When you think that you, you're the worst parent or you're the worst kid or you're the worst student or you're the worst person, I promise you, God's working behind the scenes. 
circumstances are going to hit. Hard times are going to hit. I wrote down what circumstances do to us depend on whether Christ is in us. What your circumstances do to you really depend on whether Christ is in you. Why would that happen to a young kid? Why would any bad thing happen? You know the answer, and I know the answer. We know that it all stems from us and our, betray, our, our, our rebellion against God, and we call it sin, right? Sin separates you from God, and all that is good. It's what it did to the Israelites. Achan it separated you from your father, and all that is good. And if you want to know what Achan lost, re go read the scripture this week. That's your homework. Read the whole story. I'll give you a hint. He lost everything. Sin will separate you from God and all that is good. And, and here's the thing. When you're separated from God, and the more you do it, the further you get away from God. The more you're separated from God, the more the, you start to believe the lies of the enemy. Because he's, his voice is louder because God's not protect, God's not near. You're separating yourself from God. So the enemy starts to bark at you. And he'll tell you lies, and you know this, because we, we almost tell ourselves the same thing. Uh, it's always going to be this way. I'm always going to be messed up in this way. I'm always going to struggle with depression. I'm always going to hurt other people, especially the people that I love. I'm always going to get anxious. I'm always going to live in fear. I, I, I'm, all, I'm, I'm, I'm such a fraud. I'm such a loser. And we believe these lies, but today, say today. Today, we're not going to believe the lies of the enemy anymore. Okay? We're not. I'm not, and you're not. See, today, we're not going to let the devil lie to us. We're not going to let the devil tell us what we're going to believe or not believe. We will stop believing what the devil says. Today, we will stop believing what the devil says about us. And today, say today, we will start believing what God says about us. Because in Christ, you're no longer defined by the things that you've done wrong. In Christ, you're defined by the things that you've done or He's done right. You, God. Oh, what'd you do right, Jesus? Everything. The gospel of Jesus Christ. He did it all right. Everything, start to finish, and everything in the middle. And what he did, the most right thing was what, what the most wrong thing that could happen to him, a crucifixion. And he does it because sin separates us from him and all that is good. The love of the Father transcends. So he dies on a cross willingly for you and for me. And I always thought growing up in church, I had to be good. I had to do the right things. I have to stop doing this and start doing that. That's the only way I'll ever get to heaven. God taught me something. He said, you can't do it. You'll never be able to do it. See, the, the, the gentleman on the cross hanging there dead, he already did it. Because the gentleman on the cross named Jesus didn't stay dead on the cross. Okay, and this is, how, this is why you know there's victory. This is why you know there's more than this world. This is why Jake knows that, you know, there's hope beyond what we live in this world. Because after the cross came the tomb. And after, after the third day, the tomb was no longer full. But after the third day, the tomb was empty. Jesus was alive. And because of that, you and I can shout. You and I can celebrate. It's okay to get loud in church. Our God is good. Our God is good. So 
The, the, the Bible says when you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe in the resurrection, you believe in the crucifixion, you believe he's God's son. If you believe it and you ask God to come into you and forgive your sins, and you truly want to repent, you truly don't want to go there anymore, the Holy Spirit will enter into you and save you. And then baptism's your next step, like we talk about. But some of you, you've never done that. You've always thought you could earn it. You're always trying to be better. You, you can't be good enough. I'm sorry. I mean, actually, I'm not sorry. That's the best news you could ever hear. You don't have to do it. He's already done it. Will you surrender to it? Call on his name. In my, in my group with these guys, we're reading through Revelation. That's a trip, okay? Revelation 3.20, some of you know this. It's a picture of Jesus at the door. And Jesus says, look, I stand at the door and I knock. I won't, I won't barge in, I'm not like that. I'm not intrusive, I'm not rude, I'm not abrupt. I'll only come in if you, if you open it, that's it. I give you free will. I, I'll let you do it, but you must open the door. And if you open the door, I will come in and I will eat with you. And you, know, and you will eat with me. And you know something about eating together. It's an intimate thing, right? We're together. It's relational. We're talking. We're doing life together. You know what that, that scripture shows me? God only comes where he's wanted. Has he been welcoming in your life? Have you welcomed him in your addiction? Have you welcomed him in your secrets, in your sin, in your, in your marriage? or your singleness. God only comes where he's wanted. I want to make a declaration as we close today. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Repeat after me, say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Again, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in my dysfunction and in my mess. I welcome you in. I need you, and you need it too. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in, in, my, in my lust and in my thoughts and in my, in my wrong thinking, God, and uh, me assuming the worst. Holy Spirit, you're welcome into my marriage. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Some of you need to welcome him into your kids, into your, into, your, into, your, into your dark places of your life. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. We will not, today we will not, Give up what we value most for what we want now. Holy Spirit, come. You are welcome here. Holy Spirit, you are not only welcome here, you are wanted here. And I'm telling somebody, and I'll leave you with encouragement, today you be strong. Today you be courageous. Today you stay focused. Today you listen to God and you do what he says. If you do that, I promise you that your best days are still ahead of you. If you believe it, Clap Dan Turner louder than that. Give him praise louder than that. I pray you give God everything today. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place and you are wanted in this place. And when I say in this place, I'm talking in me and I pray that the church is saying the same thing to you about them. You are welcome in the house. You are welcome in the temple. You are welcome in us. Father, a challenging message. We can't just spout things like the best is yet to come and just pretend like us saying something makes it true. It's not what we say that makes things true. It's what you say that makes things true and what we do to step into what you say. Today, God, will you help us line two things up? 
may we line up what we value most. God, I pray that number one on the list would be you and a relationship with you. Because like the story of Jake's friend teaches us, the brevity of life, oh my God. Here's one thing I know. That kid's family understands the brevity of life more than they ever have in their lives. Something about a tragedy that wakes us. Father, help us live like this is all we got. Help us love like this is all we got. I pray people will surrender everything to you. I pray that people, I pray that new guests will let us love them and they'll fill out cards so we can value them. I pray that many people will surrender everything to you. I ask you to welcome you into our, our hearts and our lives, that you would continually change us and mold us. God, for any secrets or sins that we still harbor, God, help us get real before you. You already know, just like you knew Achan, you knew, you weren't shocked that he messed up. You saw it happen. You knew it would happen. And it impacted so many people. God, we, we, we want to live for you. We want to love for you. We want to max out the time that you've given us, and we don't know how much that is. Whether it's the next two hours, or the next 20 years, or the next 60, we have to live the same. The moment we get complacent is the moment the enemy will start to whisper these lies, and we refuse to listen to him. God, have your way. I pray that today, on the Holy Spirit that we're welcoming, we will listen to him, and we'll do whatever he tells us to do. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, amen.